Welcome, everyone, to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how are you doing? Doing good, man. This is episode two of 2021, and I feel like this should be season two of POV Crypto because it's just going to be a little bit different than season one. Um, what do you think of that? Plus, we're also coming around like full circle to the roughly the genesis time of POV Crypto in the last bull market in the last bull cycle i feel like yeah. we've we're coming up on like a full complete you know loop um and so that makes sense you know pov crypto is now two years old in the in in crypto market terms two, yeah, two cycles yeah. old absolutely and uh if you think about it by the end of this year we have we will have been talking about bitcoin and crypto and ethereum for four years yeah yeah that's that's a lot of time that's so much time because Bitcoin's only 12 years old and Ethereum's only six years old. It's pretty crazy to think that we've been in the crypto space for the majority of Ethereum's lifespan. Yeah, I mean, in a while, it'll be a majority of both of these networks' lifespans. Yeah. So, yeah. like, not we're not getting yeah. out of it. Once you, once you go in, it's, this is a one-way function. Once you go in, <laughs> it's over. God, can you imagine what it's going to be like when these things are, like, 70 years old? Jesus. We're going to be the grandpas telling about the uh, the genesis, like the genesis cycles of these entire um, public networks. That's pretty cool. Well, the cool thing, it's all going to be recorded. So the world is going to know <laughs> everything we got right and everything we got wrong. Yeah. yeah, that's the cool thing about these public blockchains is that they are just like archaeological records of transactions. But then they also have like the most rich content ecosystems to go along with every single like market movement that's layered into the actual blockchain you can actually go back and listen to podcasts that were happening around the time of certain price movements that's gonna be a really interesting do you think i don't even know if anything if people are going to give that many fucks about uh the culture in which these public blockchains got uh got bootstrapped by but like the first 10 10 15 20 years of bitcoin and ethereum history they have like logged and podcasts and writing, and then they also have the archaeological record. I think that's pretty interesting. Well, yeah, I, they're founded in the world of documenting everything in the the internet mm -hmm. world. So, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. you know, I, I keep like thinking back to this analogy that is stuck in my head is like uh, a old religion and a like orthodox religion typically has some sort of like hand over shoulder passing down of the scripture and way from like mm -hmm. the elder to like the next priests and stuff like that. And like, that's kind of like a blockchain. And if you think about it, Bitcoin and any other blockchain that kind of like stands the test of time is like a way better way of doing that. It's so much cleaner. Like you can't debate about like the scripture of Bitcoin. Like it's literally in there. It's in, it's inscribed into the blockchain. It's, inevitable you can go all the way to the genesis block you know everything like you you must do that in order to actually use it so uh i i can't get over that analogy that's a that's an inter interesting perspective because like we, we have the genesis of recorded history right but that's the genesis of interpretive recorded history right because not only do we have to interpret it but we also have to interpret the interpreter who's recording history right so the recorder has a bias and then they write a book and then we call that thing the bible and then we interpret it in so many different ways with things like bitcoin and ethereum the public ledgers there's there's no bias on behalf of the scribe right the scribe the the blockchain is truth 
and there's only interpretations of that truth. Um, and so you it can cuts go out. back to Genesis and you can go back to Genesis. Yeah. That's a really interesting take. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's incredibly powerful. Like it's a tool we've never had before of like going back in time and history and knowing exactly what was meant, not necessarily like having to, you know, predict or mm-hmm. you know, word of mouth or whatever. Mm-hmm. That I thought we were going to start off this episode talking about prices and 10x gains, but turns out we're going in the complete opposite direction by talking about like metaphysical philosophy of public blockchains. <laughs> well, this is why POV crypto is uh, is the best podcast out there. But that is absolutely um, the truth. Let, let's let's hard pivot to to Bitcoin prices and crypto prices. I mean, because we can do both. We're flexible like that. <laughs> ab- absolutely. I mean, right before we got on this, I was just like scrolling through Twitter, and every single trader is just like posting moon graphics and like saying mm-hmm. things like ETH all the way, ETH is changing minds. This is the most crowded trade in history. Blah blah blah, and it's just like. Wow, I guess ETH is gonna moon tonight. Who who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? Yeah, no. Well, this is. I wrote a, a post in Bankless, I think last week or maybe the week before, titled um, "Fundamentals Are Out, Re- Reflexivity Is In." Uh, and at some point, like especially when retail comes into the market, uh, and, and especially when things break pre- previous all time highs, like there's no when you're going to the moon, there's no foundation there. You're just drifting off in space. And so when, when you break an all-time high like Bitcoin did, like the after, as soon as you break all-time high, people have to ask themselves, like, what is this worth? And no one knows the answer to that question. And so they just start fucking buying. <laughs> and, and at some point, that's like going to be true for all tokens. Like DeFi summer is when like all, fundament, all fundamentals like go out the door. And, and it only matters with that. You know, for ETH right now, I think the trade is obvious because like Bitcoin just 2X'd. And it's all time high. And then people are coming into this market being like, okay, like the, the Bitcoin attention grabs the headlines, you know, it goes everywhere people, and then people come in and, and then they want that experience, but they know they can't go to Bitcoin to, to get it because it just happened to Bitcoin. And so they just go down the list. Like the next thing is ether yeah. ether is still like 40% below its all time high. So they're like, well, there's the obvious trade. Like it's just going to do it next. Yeah, no, I make makes complete sense. And I've been seeing it all over Twitter. I've been seeing it all over the media. This idea like, okay, Bitcoin topped. Like this is the top of Bitcoin. Like that is the sentiment outside of kind of like the Bitcoin maximalists and the people that are thinking like Bitcoin bull cycle, um, which would span out a lot longer and go a lot higher and a lot further away from Bitcoin's mean. So yeah, I think what you're saying is completely true and we're going to talk about it more, but you're, uh, your DeFi season article, I think, had some extremely just good points about the market and the reality of the market. So uh, kudos to, to you know, that as, as well as, awesome. yeah. Cheers. Thank you. What, what, where about that post do you want to start? You want to start with well, finance I mean, versus Uniswap? Well, let, let's actually not get into the post and let's, okay. let's talk. A little, I want to talk a little bit more. We can finish up with that, but I guess mm-hmm. like, what are you seeing right now? Like, it feels as though a lot of blue chip DeFi stuff is starting to move a lot. Polkadot moved a lot. Like, you know, the coins are moving. Mm-hmm. Coins are moving. Yeah. The, the analogy that I've been using is that like we are at like second 45 to like minute one of like the three minute popcorn bag. 
right? You know, it, as around one minute, things are really starting to pop. Like people are, people are making some gains. People are rotating some gains. Like things are really heating up. Um, and then you obviously don't want to stay all the way till three minutes. No one leaves their popcorn in the microwave all the way till three minutes. Only a crazy person does that. So like the optimum time to pull out your popcorn is like two and a half minutes. And I think we're at like one minute on the three minute popcorn bag. Um, you're totally right. Like a lot of DeFi blue chips are kind of where it's at. I'm watching SNX just absolutely moon itself right now. Um, just past $16. Yeah, things things are heating up. And it's just and like going back to that same conversation we were talking about. SNX. I remember $2 yeah. SNX. I remember $2 SNX. Yeah. So when did Kane oh, come oh, yeah, on the I mean, show? Kane got on the show at like $4 SNX. Yeah, it was like 3 to $4 SNX. I mean, Uniswap, even Uniswap. Uniswap's at $9.20. It, it bottomed out in the middle of like the DeFi bear market post-summer at like $2.50. It's already like 3 or 4 or four or 5x uh, since then. That's crazy. Um, so people have been making some money. Yeah, people that make money in uh, the stock market are making money in crypto. And yeah. they're having a lot of fun picking, picking and choosing their favorite coin on Coinbase. That's exactly right. People just like look at the tickers and they're like, I like that ticker. And then they buy it. And then there's like a 66% chance that they make a decent amount of money. And they're like, oh, this is fun. And they just start shooting from the fucking hip, just pouring more money into it. And that's how this whole thing starts. Yeah, I saw someone like make a post of like the top companies in crypto and they're pretty much all exchanges. Like almost every mean? single one. Like the like in terms of like the top companies in terms of uh like the market cap of the company and value oh. of the equity, yeah, they're yeah, all yeah. exchanges. Right. So selling like, yeah. shovels. <laughs> and like this is uh this is how you make money in the space. So that's why I'm kind of long on I'm un, on Uniswap specifically just because of the Coinbase IPO trade. Like the contrast between Coinbase going doing its IPO and I think it's going to IPO at like well above 100 billion dollars. Like totally the, the the crypto mania is just going to give massive tailwinds to to Coinbase. Absolutely. And then Uniswap is the DeFi correlate to Coinbase. And so DeFi I think is going to be the branded alt season ecosystem. Like that's where alt season is going to happen. And it's going to happen on Uniswap. Meanwhile, in the legacy world, Coinbase is IPOing at over $100 billion. And Uniswap is this you know, $2 billion market cap DeFi token that has the branding that everyone wants. I think it's the easiest trade in the world. Yeah, I mean, I saw like, I don't know, I saw people really shit talking uh, the fundamentals of the coin, but fundamentals don't even matter. matter. Right That's what I said. It like reflexivity is in. Fundamentals are out. It does not yeah. matter. We can argue about just... fundamentals in the next bear market. Yeah, yeah. And we talked about this last episode. Like the bull market, like no one's fighting. Everyone's just watching number go up. So <laughs> That's exactly right. It's good times. It is good times. Um, okay, so let, let's go a little bit deeper into this because – I would say there's a lot of truth in this article. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have my speculative shitcoin bag uh, bags out there, and uh, when I look at them, like none of them are not Ethereum based. Like I have, I, I, I guess I have a little bit of like Tezos. That sounds gross to say. That does sound gross to hear. Gross to hear. What you should do, like, you should uh, share screen of the image in the article. I can't share screen because you have it locked. But like uh, this article is, I think, summarized pretty. Okay, cool. There we go. 
Uh, okay, this is this Binance. is the article in a picture, right? So like 2017, we got Binance. Bi- Binance was the altcoin casino. Then there was EOS, XRP, Bitcoin Cash, you know, NEM, Tezos, Stellar, BNB, okay. Coin, so Litecoin. You can stop. You don't have to name them. You know, all, all, well, you know, a lot of new people don't don't know these things. <laughs> you know, like a lot of people don't know Neo or IOTA, right? Aeon. Apparently, Neo's coming back. <laughs> Neo's not coming back. Uh, and then in 2021, instead of Binance, the new altcoin casino, which is now the DeFi token casino, is Uniswap, and you can get any asset listed on of Uniswap on top of Uniswap, right? And like that was uh, Binance's big like, competitive advantage. Yeah, it's the permissionless Binance. It's the truly permissionless Binance. But Binance was trying to have like pseudo permissionlessness by not having KYC and allowing anyone sign up and then also being pretty free on the assets they were listing. Like that's why Binance did well. It had like pseudo permissionlessness, but Uniswap has full permissionlessness. And so it's going to be hot. Yeah, uh, I mean, I can't argue with that. I think that permissionlessness is one of the key innovations here. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also don't think any other major L1 blockchain is going to ship. Like, what else is there to do? Okay, well, I guess I, I really don't know any of that stuff because I don't care. I don't, like, yeah, well, maybe maybe that's my bias, um, is that I also don't care. <laughs> and so I'm not paying attention to any other L1 blockchain, but I think it's a pretty safe bet. Like, I, I can barely care about stuff that's not Bitcoin. It's really fucking hard. Like I, when I don't talk to David, I feel out of touch. I truly do. About Ethereum, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel could, like I when could... when we're doing a lot of shows, I'm like, I know my shit. Like, come yeah. at me, ETH heads. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> oh, that's kind of funny. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say that, I mean, obviously Bitcoin's easier to like stay up to date with because there's no development on the L1 and there's no app layer. I mean, it's different. Yeah, sure. But I wouldn't say that there's no development on the app layer or sorry, on the, uh, on the L1, like the most recent Bitcoin core release um, enabled a lot of stuff within using Bitcoin core as a wallet. And now there's uh, like, for the first time you can use Bitcoin core for consensus Mm-hmm. And then nothing else about the wallet. So it really like we're starting to modularize Bitcoin and mm-hmm. it's starting to make it a lot easier to like actually interact with it and like use consensus and build other stuff without mm-hmm. having to, you know, deal with all the constraints of like the Bitcoin core wallet and stuff like that. It's just different than Ethereum. Yeah. Like I feel like people in Ethereum, it's just high flying like innovation where it's like Bitcoin, it's like, we're doing this thing. How do we do this right. one thing better? And it's, it's like, like how do we Bitcoin, innovate yeah. at getting sure it polishing Bitcoin, but like Bitcoin's turning into a really fucking sharp sphere. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. None of Bitcoin's features enable speculating in shitcoins though, except for selling it. Yeah. I mean, dude, <laughs> and I, people I, like I, to talk about shitcoins. No, totally. And and it's funny because like Bitcoiners hate shitcoins. But everyone else loves tokens. Like that's right. like that's one of the things that people love about <laughs> like the crypto space is the tokens. Um, and I feel like Ethereum is really like all of the speculation energy is all in Ethereum. All yeah. like all like the long tail of speculation outside of like straight speculating on Bitcoin is literally all happening on Ethereum. I think that's pretty fucking obvious. Pretty fucking yeah. obvious. And even some of speculating on Bitcoin is also happening on Ethereum too. Like, it's just like, yeah. it, it, to me, it's the same 
um, argument that Bitcoiners would give about like volatility in Bitcoin's gen- early days and like Bitcoin's still volatile now, but obviously much less, less so. It's like the, the profitability is the bootstrapping mechanism. And so like DeFi speculation is the bootstrapping mechanism for DeFi in the same way that Bitcoin and its volatility to the upside is also its bootstrapping mechanism. Um, and so, you know, people, Bitcoiners will harp on DeFi tokens being like, you know, this is, are they, they aren't really decentralized. They aren't really this. They aren't really that. They have all these problems. It's just like a shitcoin casino. And like, sure, they're right. But like the DeFi tokens are still going to go to like a billion dollar in, in evaluation. And then they're going to provide a fuck ton of funding to solve all the problems that, that Bitcoiners are totally right about. I mean, I don't know about necessarily solve all the problems, but it will do all the price stuff that you just mentioned. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, you can imagine there's not very many problems in the world that you can't throw enough money at to solve. That's a pretty fiat-minded way to think about things. Go on. I just, like, I I feel like that's the the old paradigm is throw money at stuff and just, hey, there's these specific things we're going to fund and we're going to fund these things and make sure that, you know, the money's going to carry us. We're going to have the best engineers and who cares? But guess what? Like, that was the mentality for how to get into flight and, like, everything that the government funded, you can look up these stories about the Wright brothers and who they're competing against, um, failed. And it was these two just, like, small innovators that actually succeeded. Not to say that, you know, I don't want to make direct comparisons. I'm sure, mm-hmm. like, you could say, argue how Ethereum is the small, innovative c- core group. But I just think that throwing money at problems doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that they'll be solved. And I well, don't yeah, even so, know where we're going there. But um, yeah, we were pretty on much agreeing on most things. <laughs> well, no, I, I still f- agree with that because, like, I expect, you know, just like in the ICO mania, like, there were 10,000 ICOs and then maybe, like, seven of them did things. And uh, the DeFi token mania is going to do the same thing. Like, way too much stuff is going to be way too highly evaluated uh evaluated but then you know it's going to consolidate and it's ultimately going to fix some of the problems that some of the DeFi tokens offer uh, promise to solve and then many will die the problems aren't I, I agree that the problems aren't guaranteed to be solved but the problems that can be solved will be solved and then we offer foundation and scaffolding for the next DeFi mania right yeah. the next ethereum well, growth phase so um I, I now I remember what I was going to say. I really agree with your statement that um, I really agree with your statement that like the profitability on DeFi is um, is a bootstrapping mechanism for Ethereum. And like mm-hmm. if you ignore Ethereum's network effects, I feel like you're just not being honest, right? Like you have yeah. to be honest. I, personally, I'm like fearful. I think that like ETH2 is a network effects killer and like potentially like, you know, a lot of the stuff that the Ethereum community mm. is doing is like equivalent of a Byzantine general attack on Ethereum one, which is what has like the momentum right now. But at the same time, I'm a Bitcoiner who would have told Ethereum to stop doing what they're doing years ago. And we never <laughs> would have got to this point yet. So what the fuck do I know? Like at some point you got to like understand your circle of competence and just shut the fuck up. And what I'm, <laughs> what I'm kind of realizing is that Ethereans really know a lot about Ethereum Mm-hmm. And Bitcoiners really know a lot about Bitcoin. And yeah. most parties don't really know very much about either the other thing. And like, I think that 2020 proved both right. I would, I would hundred percent agree with that. Totally. Like if, if you and look like, at 2020 and you don't say that Bitcoiners were really fucking right, then like you're not being honest. But at the same time, if you look at 2020 yeah. and you wouldn't say same that Bitcoiners were really fucking right, then you're just not being honest. Yeah. And, and I think 
with the important distinction that like most other blockchains were wrong. EOS, wrong. You know, Tron was never even right to begin with, right? Uh, You know, Bitcoin Cash, wrong. Bitcoin Gold, wrong. Any other Ethereum killer, the only other Ethereum killer that hasn't yet been proven wrong is DOT. And then I don't even, we can't, it's way too early to say that they've been proven right, quote unquote, quote unquote, right, whatever right even means. But like, there's only, and that, that you'll know when you see it. You'll know it when you see yeah. it. And oh, I think, sorry, you'll, you'll see, yeah, you'll, you'll know when you see it. Like, and I don't think see it, it is money. Yeah, definitely, definitely don't see it in DOT. As soon as DOT achieves a monetary premium, I think that is it, right? Like ETH has a monetary premium. Bitcoin has a monetary premium. And I think that that's kind of the whole point of this industry. Obviously, this is a crypto economic revolution. It's in the, it, it, let's talk about that. So I remember a, a big theme of previous POV crypto pods was you trying to convince me and the listeners that this is a monetary revolution. And like what most people don't realize about cryptocurrency is it's actually about the money, not about the technology. And I, well, I partly agree with that, but it's also about the technology too. Like it's a cryptocurrency industry. Like there's, it's one part tech cryptography and one part money. And you have to maximize both aspects to get the best value out of your chain. How do you feel about that take? Uh, vehemently disagree, but um, I don't want to dive down that rabbit hole super super hard um okay. god i had oh i have a good but here here's something here's a good kind of uh here's a good mental model or or uh or way of thinking of if something is money right mm-hmm. a measure of how mo- like money something is you should look at how many people vehemently hate it but still use it so mm-hmm. if you like if, if you want to measure money based on that then there's very few things that actually are money. The dollar is money because like China fucking hates it. Russia fucking hates right. it. They still have to fucking use it. Um, <laughs> That's interesting. Bitcoin is money. Mm. It seems as though Ethereum is money because like I fucking hate Ethereum. <laughs> I mean, I don't <laughs> fucking hate it, but you know what I'm saying? Like I don't want to fucking hold Ethereum, but here I yeah. am. If I want to speculate on these shit coins, like here I go. So I mean, like if you really want like, and there's, I'm sure there's a, like you can scale this in different mm-hmm. directions and if you can zoom out and see like from a macro perspective how much something is money but um you know i i've kind of been trying to think of it that way and um very few things are money like the euro is not money if you think about it that way like unless you're geographically bound in the euro territory like the euro is not money yeah it's definitely not global money I definitely agree with that as a signal when it's present but i still think there's the possibility that there's uh, like, shouldn't the ideal money be this asset that everyone wants to use as money? Like money, I don't think baked into the definition of what money is, is the law that every, that some portion of the people must hate it. So there could be a version of money that everyone just enjoys using and no one actually has like a bias against it. I think that's still within the realm of possibility. Well, I mean, I would say that every government that wants monetary sovereignty would hate something that takes it away. So like all of them want to constrain gold because gold itself is like kind of, if it were to work, it could theoretically um, kind of play as a balancing sure. act or a, a side, you know, kind of like something that, that tethers, that right. tethers a country's monetary sovereignty. So, you know, if a country was forced to hold Bitcoin, despite obviously being stripped a lot of their monetary sovereignty because of its existence, like that would demonstrate extreme moneyness, in my opinion. Yeah, but then you're just backing up into 
everyone's going to be jealous of the ability to issue seniorage. And so like, sure. I guess everyone, everyone hates the fact that they don't have that ability. I think that's, if, you, if that's the most generalizable version of that argument, I wish I had the ability to print money. Yeah. Like, well, I, would, I mean, I, if I, I, would money, argue, I would do it. I would argue that there's a ton of uh, seniorage that is present in the DeFi ecosystem and uh, you have benefited from it. And many other people who are uh, knowledgeable yeah. insiders have also benefited from printing in the DeFi ecosystem. I would, I would agree with that take. I wouldn't, it's kind of not really seniorage though. I guess, I mean, you can classify it as seniorage though, but I think that's a, a functionally wrong definition because these DeFi tokens aren't money. They're DeFi tokens. <laughs> well, sure, whatever, but it's benefiting from printing. I mean, you would, sure. I could say that, you know, Inflation, if you have yeah. the privilege of IPOing, then you benefit from printing. Okay. Yeah. Then yes, indeed. Except um, okay. the cool thing about DeFi tokens is that everyone can benefit from the issuance, right? Like that is the categorical difference. And I'm writing about this in, a, in, a, in an article coming out on Bankless on Thursday, is that like there's two ways to solve the seniorage problem. You either delete it with what Bitcoin did or you harness it and like Robin Hood it, which is give it to everyone, which is what Ethereum is trying to do. And really the, the whole like six year long process and research and development of Ethereum 2.0 was actually trying to solve this problem. Um, well, this problem and one more problems. There's two problems that Ethereum 2.0 was trying to solve. Access to ability to write to the blockchain and then access to the ability to have consensus participation in the blockchain and therefore receive Ether issuance. Like that, that has been like proof of stake and Schnor, uh, BLS signatures, which are like the main innovation going into ETH2, are about increasing the amount of seniorage that Ether is, uh, Ethereum is able to be issued to the most amount of people. Um, well, and so like Ethereum is Robin hitting it. Distributing seniorage or distributing uh, assets or funds is one of the hardest things to do. And yes, agreed. So it's extremely hard. Uh, I think your analysis is accurate-ish in terms of the distinctions between Bitcoin and Ethereum. I don't necessarily, I, I just don't know enough about ETH2 and economics and like how that solves it at all. I mean, I, I too am writing an article. It's actually, it's been written and it's going through the editorial process, but it's going out on Friday called uh, Cancel on Effect 2.0 and talking about like, how money has never been fair and uh, how Bitcoin kind of turns the cantle on effect on its head. And mm -hmm. I'm sure that you could argue in a future Bitcoin world that future token issuance um, will generate value and it will only be, it will only, it will only capture value if it creates, if it, if it actually generates value, like, because people will be minting, you know, Andreas talked about this, everyone will have a coin, you know, like coins will be, you know, so everyone can issue things and it'll be so meaningless that unless you actually create tremendous value, you know, no value will be captured or generated in that area. Wow. That's a really interesting take. Where did that come from? What, cancel on 2.0 or yeah. everyone have a token? <laughs> no, well, both, uh, no, the everyone have a token was Andreas. I guess that's, that's yeah. cancel on 2.0. How, how did you like form, come to formulate those ideas? Because that's fucking awesome. Well, co-written co with uh, Dinesh Sot, um, but he wrote an article on Bitcoin Magazine about why Bitcoiners were right. And in that article, I was inspired and uh, we kind of went back and forth and he said, cancel on effect 2.0. And I said, yeah, we should write something. So interesting. That interesting. That's coming out on Friday. Dope. I'm definitely going to read that. Um, my mind went to... Um, 
because what you're saying is like if everyone mints a token, then the token that uh, Ether as the token that would theoretically capture all the tokens that other people mint and gas fees and transaction fees and EIP-1559 is able to sustain itself via issuance. Uh, where and then also the all the uh, our, all the Ethereum argument Ethereum arguments would be that well you know it's great that you have a, a easy solution to the senior seniorage problem where you just delete the problem and you don't have seniorage but then you're also losing the ability to fund yourself at the same time and so like will Bitcoin be able to capture enough value to sustain itself without the ability to print itself is an unknown question in my mind. I mean, that's a, I feel like that's definitely a altcoiner constant skepticism. Like, I would say that's, so. spe- well, I, I, mean, I, I guess so. But like specifically the Ethereum monetary policy is in avoidance of this problem, right? Yeah. Like, well, yeah, you, you guys have hinged a lot on this assumption about Bitcoin. Well, I, I mean, kind of <laughs> I don't think it's hinged on that being on it's, it's not hinged on Bitcoin by any means. It's that Ethereum as a protocol needs to ensure its security above all because of it needs to host all the tokens. It has to host all the tokens. So it needs to maintain security over monetary policy. You know, I just don't know enough about security to you know continue talking about it. But ultimately, these are different things and Bitcoin exists. So why can't Ethereum do something different? Yep. You know, if anything, if Ethereum just kept trying to do what Bitcoin did, it'll look more like Litecoin, which... Right, and that would be dumb. Everyone, no one's paying attention to that other than mm-hmm. maybe the unit bias idiots. Right. And like, I always just see like this consistent like duality between Bitcoin and Ethereum, right? There, there's proof of stake and there's proof of work. There is, you know, expressivity or like reductiveness. There's... Um, there's uh, de- deleting the seniorage so no one can have it or giving the seniorage to everyone so everyone can have it. And there's really like so many of these things that only seem to be two options. And that's when, even when we started this podcast, like it was the Bitcoin versus Ethereum podcast because we be- I believed, uh, I, I don't think you were convinced about Bit- Ethereum at that point, um, but that there would be these, o- these were the only two blockchains. I think that was a conclusion that you could have come to out of the end of 2017, the start of 2018. I think you, it was rational to have come to that conclusion by at that point. I mean, I'm, I'm not necessarily willing to hand it to Ethereum quite yet, but we'll see. (laughs) You're Um, waiting for phase two to be completely rolled out. I don't even know what I'm waiting for. Um, I mean, we see a lot of network effects. So I usually typically look for network effects. So that's good. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see if this uh, Byzantine general attack works out uh, and uh, y'all can keep coordinating. I think um, the so transition guess, yeah, to ETH2. Yeah. I think the transition to ETH2 where ETH1 gets like loaded up into ETH2 is, is an easier process than what Bitcoiners think it is. You know, uh, like I said, uh, I don't I don't claim to be an expert on Ethereum. <laughs> and uh, But I, I would say that I, I do know a lot about Bitcoin. And... Uh, <laughs> and and, you know you're talking about there's two there's two spaces you know Mm -hmm. there's there's like two polars you know there's bitcoin is this and then ethereum is that i would argue that no there's just one space it's the bitcoin space bitcoin's the foundation ethereum is built on top of bitcoin and it it addresses a lot of things on top of bitcoin what does that even mean it is big like from a monetary perspective bitcoin enabled ethereum to exist like the entire crypto space 
is built on top of it is built on top of Bitcoin. All of it. No, that's no, like, it's that not. Is, that dude, is a like, fact. No, you, if you if you deleted Bitcoin, Ethereum would still run. Ethereum but, is not dependent on Bitcoin. But if Bitcoin didn't come around, Vitalik would never have been able to create Ethereum. That doesn't matter. It does. Like, it does matter. He was. Am funded I, am I built upon like the inventor of cars? Because we I stand. Use my car every we, day? No, we we stand on the shoulders of giants. Absolutely. That doesn't. That doesn't impact the relationship between. So here, <laughs> think about it this way: if you if you price anything in Sats, you're using Bitcoin. Ethereum has been priced in Sats since the day it was born. Only by like, that was no. the pricing mechanism for Ethereum. It doesn't matter. That is that is not something to rest an argument on top of. I mean, I would argue again, like if you really look at this entire space, like Bitcoin was born and it enabled altcoins. Like it was the trading pair against altcoins. It has always been the crypto reserve currency. Like money is what creates an economy. It is the way to interpret and spend value. And Bitcoin is the first digital bear asset on the internet. It's the first true cash instrument on the internet. It literally spawned the entire internet organic monetary revolution is all stemmed from you know that one point yeah everything sure. is like, a fractal off of bitcoin well yeah everything is technology is a fractal like sure like everything is a fractal off of the internet which is a fractal off of like wires which is a fractal off of like i'm not arguing i'm not here arguing that bitcoin's not built on top of the internet it yeah, was built on top of the internet and it but was like, built on top of the, all the other infrastructure. It's just such an unhelpful distinction. Like, okay, cool. Ethereum or, or it's, it's an extremely built on top helpful of Bitcoin. It's just built downstream of Bitcoin as time goes. Like, you know, you talk about like, hey, Bitcoin pumps and then flows yes, go into sure. Ethereum. And then like, this is part of it being built on top of Bitcoin. Hey, guess what? We're on a four-year cycle. Guess what has a four-year cycle? Oh, it's Bitcoin with the halving. Like, okay, come on. congrats. Like, your cognitive it, dissonance is insane here. It doesn't even, not, it's, I'm not saying it's not that all those things are, aren't true. Like, sure, it, it may be that maybe the crypto cycles are four years because that's how long Bitcoin happenings go. Maybe. Even then, it wouldn't fucking matter because they're still independent. <laughs> well, we can agree to disagree. Like I said, I know a lot more about Bitcoin than you do. Well, yeah, but what you are trying to claim is something outside of Bitcoin and dodges to Bitcoin. Like, you know, when you think of like internet companies and dot-com companies, like all of those are built, like they are organizations that are built on top of the internet. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like Ethereum is the first Bitcoin organization that was enabled by Bitcoin that truly was successful. And there's many others. Like you could look at a lot of the like fringe weird like you know not legally situated exchanges and many of them also you know operate and have been enabled by bitcoin so like more and more organization and type of organization and variety of organizations and tons of you know other innovations are going to continue to fractal off of the foundation that bitcoin has created for the for the world okay that that's great uh, imagine in a world where uh, this, the government or somebody has successfully shut down Bitcoin in the promotion of Ethereum. That is a world where Bitcoin is not working as a blockchain, as a crypto system, and Ethereum is working. As a result of Bitcoin not being there, Ethereum is doing just fine. And congrats, like it was originally built on Bitcoin. 
and Ethereum has all of the market cap of whatever this crypto economic revolution is. Like, I don't know what you're trying to like, so, well, you so want your, just like Ethereum you. people to like pay homage no, to no. Bitcoin as no, like no, the, it, the, the... This has nothing to do with homage. You're making this a lot more personal and defensive than it is. It, this is about observing reality. I, I, uh, I No, it's a, this is a semantic on, debate. I, no, absolutely not. This is trying to understand how the space is working. So I commented on how realistic you were in this, uh, in your piece that you wrote about, you know, tokens mm-hmm. and DeFi and all how the market all mm-hmm. works in the bull run. I'm just trying to help you yeah. understand how the space works from a macro perspective. And that's how it works. And like, if you, if you can't like step back and be like, yeah, this is how it works. Like you, you actually are like, th- this is the biggest cognitive dissonance that most ETH heads prevent them from actually understanding Bitcoin. Okay. Here, here's what. I think we are arguing is that you are saying that Ethereum is built on Bitcoin and that everything's downstream of Bitcoin. What I'm hearing, what I'm hearing from that is when I hear of built on something, I'm, I'm hearing that the value of the market cap value of Ethereum or the things built on Ethereum, which you are saying is built on Bitcoin would be captured by Bitcoin. And so like the app layer, the value of the app layer on Ethereum, all the DeFi tokens, plus the value of Ethereum, since that's built on Bitcoin, Bitcoin would be of a higher valuation than Ethereum. I'm saying in a world where it's fit possible that Bitcoin is deleted from the universe and there's only Ethereum, Ethereum is not built on Bitcoin because it can still operate while Bitcoin doesn't exist. And the market cap of Ethereum actually doesn't pay any homage to Bitcoin, the market cap. So when you say that everything is built on Bitcoin, it's just a semantics thing saying that like Bitcoin came first and the Ethereum market cap is possible for it to go to $100 trillion and the Bitcoin market cap is zero using your analysis of Ethereum is built on Bitcoin. And so like, sure, congratulations. If in a world where Bitcoin is deleted and Ethereum is a hundred trillion dollars, uh, sure. Wait, so if in that, in that so world, this, this is your, when, whenever, whenever when someone says, so what you're really saying, like that's generally just like you are, you are communicating a delusion. So you have this delusion that I'm saying that Ethereum is not valuable because it is, because I'm stating the reality mm-hmm. that Ethereum was enabled by the fact that Bitcoin existed and therefore Vitalik and the team could have funding and fund their project that they worked on and created. And the entire time Ethereum had a trading value against something that would able people to actually communicate value in it. You are ignoring that that did in fact happen. And that is what enabled that's Ethereum not, that's, to no, we're literally just debating become two different a things. thing. No, but here's the thing. Like, yes, like if you understand that the entire time Bitcoin was money that enabled Ethereum to happen, then you understand that, hey, Bitcoin is money. And your statement where you were kind of freaking out about me saying that, hey, downstream from Ethereum is Bitcoin. Like the reality is that everything is trending to zero in Bitcoin terms. Like you have to understand that every single thing in the universe, if you price it in 21 million, it trends to zero in Bitcoin terms. So yeah, I am kind of saying that any value that's created by Ethereum ultimately gets captured in 21 million in Bitcoin. But I'm not also saying that Ethereum's not valid. I'm not also saying that Ethereum doesn't have good qualities. I'm not also saying that it won't capture value. I, I'm just I didn't say you the, were saying the, those, the reality, those in fact, that, yeah, hey, you know, Bitcoin was the digital money that existed which enabled all of the crypto space to be created. And it still continues to enable it to thrive and exist with, you know, Bitcoin's shell and armor to protect it. Okay. This is, this is like saying that anything that has a market price 
on a secondary market is built on Bitcoin once we go through hyper Bitcoinization and everything is priced in sats. Well, if you That's price everything saying. in sats, then everyone uses Bitcoin. Yes, correct. So, I mean, but if you price something, but in also sats, we need to make a formal Bitcoin. distinction that when you say built on Bitcoin, there's nothing fundamentally structural about the Bitcoin blockchain that supports other things. You're no, talking it, about it, it from a monetary it, angle. Absolutely. We started this argument saying that you said Ethereum was built on Bitcoin, and you got triggered. It was funny. Well, yes, because it's wrong. <laughs> no, it's not wrong. It's well, because it, it's wrong in the way. What is Ethereum built on? Is it is it built on cloud servers and like Ethereum is a network of hardware? Yes, yes, and so <laughs> and it's also a value token that is traded against something else, and that something sure. else has been and always was Bitcoin. Yes, Ethereum is and, built on the universe and the other things that in, in, inhabit this universe. I guess we're all built on each other to collectively. Like my, the foundation of my house shares some sort of foundation with your house in San Francisco. I guess we're built on the same foundation together. Like what? Like it's, well, just a, it's, it's a meaningless point or perspective to offer anyone. I mean, air is the substrate that connects me and you. <laughs> sure. Bitcoin's like air. <laughs> <laughs> Bitcoin is totally unproven whether it's you like air or not. That's as much of a speculation as as to what what the Bitcoin can do. That there's a, the thing of See, like this, the, this is this is my problem with these heads is that they just don't full like yeah maybe it's pay homage to Bitcoin but they actually just don't appreciate you know what Bitcoin is. That's and because you, you guys think that Bitcoin has this God given right to just pump forever. That's a ridiculous not, it, thing to it's think. It's not God given. It's 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 That's a thing that has off. specific properties, and those specific properties will instrumentalize into uh, it becoming the global reserve currency and everything <laughs> that is. We measured are twelve years fixed, into this. <laughs> that, that is measured in a a hard capped <laughs> unit. Well, you know, humans have always created more abundance. So mm-hmm. if the, um, the units that you measure that abundance never change, but the abundance continue to grow, everything will turn to zero in that unit. It's not like I'm saying like it's this amazing thing. It's like, yeah, sound money does that. That's what it does. And when the world <laughs> transitions to a sound money standard, that is what the, what the move in that direction. That's how, that, that will, how the world, that's how the world will orient. That's what we're why building. Can't, why can't we price uh, the Ethereum ecosystem in like 2x the Bitcoin ecosystem or 5x the Bitcoin ecosystem or 55x the Bitcoin ecosystem. Why can't we price like the entirety of the Ethereum blockchain priced in maybe it's worth like 200 million Bitcoins? Why can't we do that? Well, I mean, the current ecosystem or the current um, economy is worth, you know, more than 21 million Bitcoin, but I just don't think that that's going to happen. Because all of those things are built on top of Bitcoin. So therefore, <laughs> they can't be bigger than Bitcoin. Bitcoin's the foundation. No, I totally think the Ethereum app layer can be b- bigger than Ether. And in that same vein, using your f- crazy ass notion that Ethereum is built on, big- on Bitcoin, Ether it could is. also be worth more than Bitcoin. It's not- <laughs> I don't it's need- you have to define what you actually mean. Like when people say built on something, they Bitcoin mean will be the, the biggest asset in the entire world. It's going to be 50% <laughs> of every single trade. That's the direction it's going. This is and the most you quintessential POV crypto episode we have ever done. <laughs> and, it, and if you understand that reality, you understand that everything is going to be trending to zero in Bitcoin terms. Like you understand from a monetary perspective, like everything will be interpreted into Bitcoin. Like that's what Bitcoin is doing. That is its point. Like, that's why we're sharpening the spear. 
in order to do that. Like Bitcoin is such a, um, it's such a, uh, what's the word? Like people always think that, hey, Ethereum is this like really, really like out there thing. Like they're trying to achieve so much. But like, I think that Bitcoin's actually trying to achieve a lot more. Like Bitcoin's really trying to rewrite how the entire world is functioning, how the entire world is orienting. Mm-hmm. I think when you the say world like, with everything trends built- to zero in Bitcoin. <laughs> I think when you, when you say everything is built on Bitcoin, I think I can agree with you if you extend that Bitcoin, the idea, the true idea of what you are saying, where, where like the world is built on scarcity, can actually, the idea of Bitcoin is actually living in Ethereum. And so I, I, I could agree with that, like scarcity and uh, uh, trending towards scarcity versus a world of abundance, that whole dichotomy can exist on top of Ethereum because Ethereum is sure a fractal off the extension of what Bitcoin is, yet Bitcoin needed to actually expand on the technology side in a di- to, in, to fulfill its manifest destiny of everything trending towards zero versus scarcity. And the idea of Bitcoin sure is alive and well. See, yeah, no, you you think that you're going to upgrade Bitcoin because that's what's good for your bags, and that's not that's, that's not exactly going to happen. Right? That's exactly. That's just what not going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> See, this is this is why you can't understand that that everything is built like the entire crypto. Space I mean, you say I can't understand, but I just say that you can't understand. Like touche. <laughs> Well, see, but there's there is no foundation where Ethereum is the foundation of the crypto ecosystem. Why not? The foundation is changing; that it is being attacked. And on top of that, that foundation is like we know for a fact that it is above Bitcoin. Like here's Bitcoin, and here's Ethereum. If you if you so you, you can take generalized... you can pull the Bitcoin rug under. Okay, uh-huh. then maybe yeah, Ethereum will be floating there, but Ethereum will be worse off for it. And then on top of that. Ethereum is literally being Byzantine general attacked by its own community. <laughs> the the percentage Look of people Byzantine of... general attack. Yes, <laughs> look yes. it up. People, people. I hope listeners of POV Crypto would know what that is. Um, I think the perception. Shit, what was I going to say? Um, the the only so if you get security like or, or just like monetary policy, mainly monetary policy. If you get that close enough. Only like 0.2% of the world will care about the difference between Ethereum's monetary policy and Bitcoin's. Like just, just, that's, the, and that, that, that 0.2% of the world are the Bitcoin maximalists, basically. Like yeah, which is going to be a huge portion of the world. <laughs> you think because Bitcoin maximalists is going to be, be a huge portion of the world? It's just going to be common sense. I, I think that is, I think that is the misassumption. Zero, okay. like rounding down to zero people give a, give uh Fuck that many fucks about Bitcoin maximalism. No, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna be they care about Bitcoin maximalism. It's literally they want to do whatever. Perfect they need scarcity to do, and Bitcoin does not is the thing that helps them do it. Yeah, Bitcoin it perfect scarcity does not just create Bitcoin maximalists. Like not and not not by like well, identity. No. Bitcoin like, being the global reserve currency is means that most people will use it, and it will be the most obvious thing to use as money. I think I think the most obvious thing to use as money will be the asset that allows them to play all of their games and speculate in all their DeFi tokens because that's what's fun. That's not what the world is not speculating. The world is doing stuff. Sure it is. That's, you sure you DeFi go from gamble, gambling to business you, to investing, and it's okay. all on the same spectrum. Look at look at the cash market. Cash is the most popular instrument in the entire planet when it comes to a monetary instrument. Cash is the lowest denominator of monetary instruments. 
Right. Bitcoin and is the cash you, of the entire Bitcoin. Is, no, is the cash, cash is of the entire crypto? For investing equivalent. in the stock market, if you look at that's, the that's a fiat of the mindset. You are you are stuck in the fiat <laughs> mindset. You can't like you your cognitive dissonance to understand what Bitcoin is doing to the world is very obvious right now. So so you know that you're um, stuck in fiat land. You know that that meme cycle that you like to cite, where like you know the the pleb comes into crypto and they start with Bitcoin and then they go to like Ether, Monero, and Bitcoin, and then they go to a bunch of shit coins and. And they end back at Bitcoin. This is like the Austrian fiat or Austrian Keynesian, not even Keynesian, but like the Austrian or whatever you think the Ethereum version of Austrian is mindset. And like those things just leapfrog. Like first there was Austrian with gold, then there was fiat with dollars, and then there was Austrian with Bitcoin. And now there's this like pseudo Austrianism on Ethereum. I think that's what's happening. It's like, well, I'm no. saying like, you're saying like, you haven't elevated yourself there yet. And I'm saying, well, you haven't, you, you haven't elevated yourself there yet. Nope. I'm not saying that. And I disagree with your example. <laughs> no, I, 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 there, there, there is tools to use as money and there are technological advancements that help money scale. And banking was a technological advancement that helped gold scale, but it required trust. And now we are entering into a stage in the world where the tools to use as money and is Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the most obvious thing to do there. It's already a massively huge network. By the time Bitcoin was a billion dollar network, it already had one. Bitcoin is like what? What's Bitcoin? It's like almost uh, four hundred billion. More than that? How much is Bitcoin? Is it, isn't that know, I literally don't even know the market cap? Isn't that what? But isn't it, that minuscule for what you want? Who cares what it's at now? It, it, it should already be one percent of what it is. It, but that's network effects are compounding. So like Bitcoin is already by far the biggest and it's only going to compound from here. I don't think that's true. I don't think that the lead that you think you, you keep saying that like Bitcoin is the lesson in exponentials. Like Ethereum is not that far behind Bitcoin in like less than half the time. Because it's built on Bitcoin. Bitcoin already pays it's the way It's not for built it. on Bitcoin. <laughs> It's built on itself. Okay. Let's uh, <laughs> let's just agree, let, yeah. Let's just wrap this one. Uh, I need to make a steak. <laughs> I have a nice bone in ribeye. I posted a picture on Twitter. Um, I'll be posting a picture of it as it is completed and uh, celebrating ETH all time high. Hey, might happen. Get tonight. richer every day. Just getting richer every day. <laughs> Oh my God, this was truly the quintessential POV crypto episode. I think if anyone wants to ever ask me what is POV crypto about, I'm going to send them this episode. It kind of got a little redundant at the end, but... Yeah, I mean, it's important. Like, that's the, those, this is the dividing line between you and me and our beliefs. And so we're just like tiptoeing around the line over and over and over again. Love Who do you it. believe, listeners? Who do you believe? You guys, follow CK at CK underscore snarks and at Bitcoin Magazine. David? Follow me at Trustless State, both on Twitter and on Bankless. I don't know why I refer to myself in third person, but whatever. Sure. <laughs> All right. Peace, guys.
It's up for you too.